Welcome to No Picks After Dark, Baltimore Sun's best podcast of 2020, voted by you, the listeners. No Picks After Dark seeks to build a community based on human experience, storytelling, and conversation. Now your host, Aaron Dante. This portion of the episode is sponsored by Found Studio Shop. Looking for a unique gifts curated by an artist? Shop online at Found Studio Shop. Explore our delightful selection of jewelry, ceramics, stationery, cards, and holiday decor. Or pamper yourself or your loved ones with candles, gift boxes, and locally made bath and body products. All of this and more is available for shipping or local pickup at Red Canoe Cafe. Browse whenever the mood strikes at foundstudioshop.com. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have some very special guests on the show. I'm very excited to have these people on today because they have been on great things in the community and they have some shows that are coming out that are amazing that I can't wait to talk to you guys about. But without further ado, Ms. Whitney and Ms. Val, how are you guys doing today? Doing great today. Thank you. Same for me here, Aaron. Nice, nice. So please tell me about you guys. Like, tell the audience a little bit about you guys and, you know, what you guys do. Do you guys live in a Baltimore area? Things of that nature. Um, Val, I'll just take the floor and get started. Um, I am Whitney Cecil. I own two craft businesses here in Baltimore. Um, Almanac Industries and Curated Circus. And um, I live in a little row home with my husband and my two kids. And I don't know, I've been part of Craft Mafia for a lot of years now. And it's a really great community. I'm happy to be part of it. Yeah. And I'm Val Lucas. I run Bowerbox Press, which is a little letterpress printing studio. I am up north of the city now. I'm in Moncton, but I lived in Baltimore for about 15 years, loved it, and couldn't move very far away from it at all. Okay. And we will get into, we will get into the Charm Sea Craft Mafia in a second. We will get into it. But we want to know a little bit more about you guys. You started your business. How long ago did you guys start your craft business? Let's talk about your businesses first, and we'll get into the meat of it a little bit later on. How, why do you want to be in a craft scene? Uh, just curious arts and being creative. So, I mean, I, I, I try to be creative with the podcast, but what you guys do is totally different. And I don't want I have the eye for it, the passion, the skill, but give us a little sneak behind the curtain. Let us know what's how, how this all happened. <laughs> uh, for me personally, uh, I came, I grew up in New York, came to Baltimore to go to MICA, Maryland Institute. And, um, I don't know. I think after four years of being in art school, the thing that you think you could probably do the best is sell something that you make. And then it just sort of turned into a business slowly after that. Um, I think originally I, I started out just making blank books and then over the years it turned into um, leather goods and now has expanded even more into other kids things. So I think it just sort of happened naturally. Um, 
I'm just inclined to make things with my hands. And if I had to try to figure out how to make money any other way, it would probably feel really um, unusual, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, so I also uh, went to Micah. I grew up in Ellicott City and then went to Micah. I started out thinking I was going to be a painter, like all through childhood, I would be painting and drawing. And it just seemed like the natural thing to do. Um, went into Micah again, kind of thinking like, oh, I'm going to be a great painter and shattered so many other great painters there. So I started doing a lot of different things. I did some ceramics, I did some bookbinding, and my very last semester there, I took a letterpress course and just really fell in love with the letterpress process. And part of that course was printing a wedding invitation. So I kind of latched onto the idea that, oh, like there are people out there making decent money doing letterpress printing and wedding invitations. So after I graduated, I started hauling home really heavy old printing equipment. I got a job at a stationery shop and kind of learned about the stationery industry and wedding invitations. Did a little bit of that for a while, um, kind of decided that wasn't really my thing and started to focus more on my own artwork, which is woodcut prints on a letterpress and a little bit of handbook binding as well. And again, like Whitney, like I didn't really have a plan. Uh, everything kind of evolved gradually from the things that I found that I loved and figuring out what to do with that. And I also always need to be working with my hands. I'm not happy unless my hands are busy. So being able to make things that people want to have that will make them happy, it just kind of naturally turned into being able to sell those things and then figuring out how to do it even better and sell more things. And working with people doing custom stuff is really great, but making my own artwork is what makes me happy. So I always ask entrepreneurs this, um, when you started this, it like you, you were like, you guys, mostly you want to work with your hands. Was the hard part, the financial part, because you have the love for what you do, but then you're like, I want to make money. How do I do that? Was that a hard part for you guys to, you know, coming from the art side? Like I, I love my art, but now you're pricing things out. Now you're like, I need to turn a profit. Where are some of the trials you guys are, have went to as far as that, just going up in the business side of it? Well, it's definitely something they didn't teach us at MICA. Um, <laughs> we we definitely had to figure it all out on our own. Um, there weren't any classes like how to make money as an artist, unfortunately, and paying taxes is a giant mystery when you get out of art school. Um, I had had some part-time jobs. Uh, so I was at the stationery shop for a while, and then I worked for a local print shop for about seven years. And eventually my business kind of grew along with that. Um, so I would make a little bit of money at a craft fair, put it into a new piece of equipment, make some more money, do a larger show. Um, so the business kind of grew organically as I could put more time into it. And eventually just over five years ago, I quit my full-time print shop job to focus on my own business. So it's been a real slow process, but kind of you know, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, I mean, same here. It's very interesting. Like, I think right now, a lot of people have small creative businesses. And um, it's surprising to watch some of them grow big, super fast, because I also have taken the very slow road. <laughs> and um, honestly, it's worked out great. It's, it's fine. I've had years where I um, 
make plenty of money and it feels really awesome. And then I have years where I don't make very much money at all. And honestly, both feel okay. And I don't really push in either direction. I kind of like slow down when I need to and pick it up when I want to. And um, I don't know, I, I almost like that I don't have a business background because I think that the way that I do this would probably, well, it would probably be very different, but I think it would also stress me out. And I kind of just don't let it stress me out. I just like, yeah, I don't know. It's much more about the making than it is about the money. And I'm sure um, other on- styles of entrepreneurs would uh, <laughs> disagree with many of the ways that us artists do things. It's nice. No, that's good. That's just good. Great background to understand it. You know, you guys are coming from an art standpoint, entrepreneurs, and you just quit your job. Like, and now it's like, ah, it's like I'm, I'm on my own. So I like hearing that. Um, just a little bit with COVID going on. I'm curious with this, just with COVID, how has it, how have you guys changed as far as doing things? I know we'll get into holiday heap a little bit. We'll talk about terms, but as far as your businesses, what have you done? I Me, mean, I'm sure you had it. You probably went to a dozen of craft shows. Summertime normally happen. Springtime craft shows. I mean, this is when you make your bread and butter. So, what have you done to adjust to that? Um, me personally, I feel like I had just been picking up my business when COVID hit, and then I all of a sudden had both of my kids back at home. <laughs> so, um really the main thing that I've done with business other than coming up with lots of ideas in my head and not a lot of making, um, was doing our spring show. Um, craft mafia puts on a spring show called pile of craft and we went virtual for that one and it was awesome. And so I think it kind of like gives you this, it, it, for me, gave me this glimmer of hope that I was like, Oh, I think this actually could work. Okay. Um, outside of that, you know, life is challenging for everyone right now. I am currently like a kindergarten teacher at home in my living room and I am a physical therapist for my daughter. And I am like, so it's, um, my studio does not get as much love as it usually does. And neither does my bank account. (laughs) Um, but that said, yes, a lot of craft shows were canceled in person, but there have been so many that have really, stayed supportive of their makers in so many different types of ways. And um, we've tried to do it as an organization. I felt other organizations do it for me as an artist. And um, I don't know, I think people are really realizing that if they support the things that they love right now, they'll still exist in the future. Um, I feel it at least. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also had to pivot, you know, we shut down what in March and I was halfway through teaching letterpress at Towson University and suddenly had to figure out how to sell everything online better because I definitely sell more in person at craft fairs and my website and store while it existed it wasn't great so I had to really hustle and get my website updated and now I'm a lot more diligent about updating it more frequently and keeping everything in stock on the website so that people can purchase online. Um, I did also start making face masks. So I'm actually printing some fabric with lino cuts and making face masks. So that's brought in a new stream of income. 
But there has really been a lot of support from people and from other organizations who want to see artists and small businesses survive through this. So there's been a lot of virtual events and just a lot of sharing and promoting. You know, we're all trying to band together and promote our fellow artists and other things that people can do to support the small businesses. So there have been off weeks, you know, there's a few times I haven't been in the shop for a couple of weeks because I just feel totally overwhelmed with everything. But once I get back in there and start working, it, it feels great again. And I'm getting ready to gear up for the holiday season. So getting that website updated and making some <laughs> new work. Nice, nice. So, all right. So you guys, so you guys brought it up a little bit. So we're the reason why we're here, we're gonna talk about the Charm Craft Mafia. Tell me about this. Tell me about the you guys. Uh, I, tell the audience about it. I never heard of you guys until I moved into the Walterson area. Never heard of it. And um, my neighbor was telling me all about you guys. And I said, wow, let me check these guys out. You know, and you guys have all these different things, festivals, like the, the spring thing and the Christmas thing. And I was like, wow, this is pretty serious. This is like legit. And um, tell tell the audience about it because I, I really want them to know how it started, where it came from, um, the originals, how, how this all happened. Yeah, so the Charm City Craft Mafia actually started in 2006. Um, it was part of a larger nationwide chartered group. So the Austin Craft Mafia was the original group, and they kind of almost franchised out the name to different cities. So there's a Richmond Craft Mafia that's still in existence. There's us. There may be a few others, um, but they really started in 2005, 2006 time to kind of get this new wave of small business crafters together, you know, working together and creating shows. So the Charm City Craft Mafia was formed in 2006. Um, and a couple of years later, the Austin group kind of disbanded, but we kept the name and continued to do our shows. And the main part of what we do is put on two shows a year, uh, two big shows a year, and then some smaller ones. So we have Pile of Craft in the spring and Holiday Heap in the winter. Plus, we've added on Last Stop Pops and Shop, usually right after Holiday Heap as a smaller local show, and then some other pop-ups and smaller workshops and shows throughout the year. So we're really trying to support all the local artists and crafters in the area by giving them a place to come together and sell and then help promote everything and bring people to see these amazing crafters. How did you guys get involved? How did you guys get involved? Like as far as everything, like, was it like a secret password of creatives or artists? Like, Hey, you know, you want to join this crew? I mean, I'm curious, how does it always happen that way? <laughs> <laughs> it, it can seem a little uh, mysterious. Um, I was, living in Charles Village, right around the corner from where the show is held um, at St. John's Church on St. Paul Street. And I think I had either seen the first show or seen some people who were involved and was like, whoa, I want to get involved in this. So I applied to the first spring show and loved it, had a great time selling my work for the very first time. And then just, I was already friends with a few of the people who were in it without really knowing about the group and was just kind of like, hey, I, I want to join. Are there any spots open? And a little while later, a spot did open up and um, I was asked to apply to be a member and was invited in 2008. So I've been in the group since then, helping to plan and learning a lot along the way. <laughs> and I came into it in a very similar way just a few years later. So I think around 2009, I applied to Vend in my very first show. It was a spring 
um, pilot craft and got in and then just kept on vending, um, you know, would apply to get to be part of the next show and the next show. And then eventually um, the group asked me if I'd like to be a member. I guess there was an open spot. I don't even really know if they had expanded or if somebody left or I don't know. Um, so I've been part of the group since 2015. Is it like a secret society handshake or something like that? Or I'm just curious. Cause I mean, it sounds so mysterious right now. Like, was it, is there so many like people in there, like, the, like board members that they can allow in? I get cause most, most organizations have like a limited amount of board members. Do you guys have the same thing? Well, we're actually a non-stock corporation now. Um, I think we did that right before you joined or a little bit after Whitney. Um, so officially all of our members are board members. We have a president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, um, but everyone kind of puts in the same amount of work. And as a group, we kind of decide who we're looking for to join the group. Um, and it's going to be someone who has a great established craft business in Baltimore, um, who's really working with something um, innovative and new. And if we need a new member will kind of look at people who've applied to the shows and try to find someone that would be a really good fit to help run everything and keep it going. So take us behind the scenes of holiday heap. Cause that's like the big shebang, like the super bowl of all of craft shows. How long does it take you guys to plan this? I mean, holiday heap. Every time I, I, I missed it last year, cause it sold out quickly. You guys sold out like real quick with tickets. And everybody's like, it's like the must show to go to in town. I mean, I've heard about it. Every my friends have heard about it. I mean, the reputation is a beautiful thing to have. Everybody wants to be a part of. Tell me, what's the planning behind it? I know this year is more virtu- is virtual, but before that, like give people a background, like how to heap, like how did it start? What were some of the thoughts? How would it help small businesses, creatives, artists? How did that all come about? I mean, we really start our planning probably six months before heap. Um, I mean, we do pile of craft in the spring and then we take a few months and then we start back up planning for heap. Um, And uh, just so everyone knows, we do have, we do have tickets to our early bird hour, but we generally are free and open to the public for the rest of the day. Um, It is busy. So people do love those early bird tickets. So yeah, sorry that I, that's yeah. what I meant. Early bird yes, sells. I'm sorry, early bird. I hate waiting in line, so that's why. I was saying <laughs> yeah, that. oh. and there will be a line most mornings when we first open. <laughs> um, I mean, we start out by putting out a call for vendors, and we generally get around anywhere from 150 to 225 vendors and um, have space for about 55 at the church. So we we try our best to kind of reach the local area and a little bit beyond. And as we vet, as we jury, we try to fill certain categories and make sure that we have a good range of different types of crafts, um, all really high quality, really thoughtful things, um, but a huge range of you know, um, printmaking and food, um, good packaged food goods and jewelry, um, ceramics, clothing, kid stuff. Um, and then 
we let everyone know that they've gotten into the show. And then it's just a lot of, um, you know, planning what our poster is going to look like, hiring an artist to do that, um, getting our promotional materials together, making sure all of our social media is um, giving little sneak peeks of what the day will look like. And then when we are in person, there's, we usually try to do a really great stage decoration um, and prep for early bird hour where we have um, early bird tote bags that we give out that are big swag bags that have lots of really awesome things from all of our vendors and some local businesses in them. So it's, I mean, it's a lot of work. We're a really awesome team and we all have different things that we work on for the show. Um, some of us are really good at proofreading. <laughs> some of us are really good at um, coming up with creative ideas. And so we all kind of sort of have positions. It, it's very fluid though. And we all sort of help each other out. Um, yeah. And then we open the doors to the public and sell them all things. <laughs> then we have to clean up afterwards too. <laughs> and that. This episode of No Picks After Dark Podcast is sponsored by the Charm City Craft Mafia, Baltimore's best local craft fair, presenting Holiday Heap, a virtual craft show the first weekend in December, featuring handmade stationery, apparel, jewelry, ceramics, wall art, body care, small batch food gifts, and more, crafted by makers in Baltimore and the region. Holiday Heap is Friday through Sunday, December 4th through the 6th, more at charmcitycraftmafia.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Charm City Craft Mafia. Everybody loves swag bags. Everybody loves swag bags. Come on. So this year, Holiday Heap, December 4th to the 6th. Are there any surprises for people this year? Are you guys doing anything spectacular? I mean, I don't know if we can break this news here. I don't know. I mean, it won't come out until later, but is there anything that the listeners can be like, wow, I could sign up for this or maybe get something like this early. Is there an early bird special for this? For this year maybe, or not really this year? Not for this show. Um, we just couldn't figure out logistically how to do something like that, but we will have a fantastic raffle basket. Um, so that'll be filled with goods donated by a lot of our vendors. So you'll be able to purchase raffle basket tickets. And normally the raffle baskets have probably six to seven thousand dollars worth of goods in them and we raise a lot of money for a local charity and um, Whitney remind me who our charity is this year oh yeah so our charity this year is Chesapeake Down Syndrome Parent Group um, an organization very close to my heart my daughter has Down Syndrome and so the group this year offered to have them be our charity so we're super excited to hopefully fund some art programming for our families Nice, nice. So, like, when you guys have all these vendors that reach out to you guys, I mean, you said like, there's just so many. Is it more of a regional? I know you say you like you try to pick local, but do you guys go outside of like Baltimore area? Like, do you go to DC vendors? Do you get Pennsylvania vendors? Where's the farthest vendor that you guys have gotten that has come to this event? We've had vendors for the in-person shows come from I think as far away as Ohio. We, we do aim to have mostly local and regional people. So a lot of Baltimore and then there's some DC, Virginia, Pennsylvania people. 
Um, this year, since it's virtual, we did have some vendors from the West Coast, um, some of whom used to live in the Baltimore region and since moved, and now they're back again because we can have them virtually. So we're really excited to see some of those people back. Um, but we do tr really try to focus on supporting a lot of the local Baltimore people. So, I mean, with virtual, I mean, could this be a new way of doing things for virtual? I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. I know you guys, I know everybody likes to see people and whatnot, but I'm just throwing out there. Could this be a part, a virtual part two, and you have one in person for those people who live in the West Coast or think, has, has that ever come up? I mean, I know COVID with everything going on right now, maybe if that person who lives in, who you guys do it this year, like, wow, I wish I could do it next year. <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to happen. You know, it is people because now everybody can see it worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now anybody can see it. And that's what I love about things like this going virtual now, because now you're going to reach an audience that you've never reached before. That's going to be all totally different. You're like, wow, are we really reached this far out? You know, this can go to a different level now as far as virtual. Um, what have you guys thought about that? You know, or just, or you guys just, just trying to get through this one right now? Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think having done it for our spring show already, we were very quickly shown that the support is there in so many different ways. I think as, as an organization, we really are dedicated to supporting Baltimore City and people in the surrounding area. So that I think will always be our main goal. Um, but it is really cool the way that COVID has opened up our eyes to like other things that we could introduce or how do you include this inspiring person to do a workshop with all of our vendors before the show or, you know, um, I think if anything, it would just be like in addition to our normal in-person show, because honestly with crafts, nothing is going to beat holding them in your hands. Um, so as soon as we can, we probably will be back doing that instead. Um, yeah, it's definitely added some extra possibilities, though, um, not only for including other vendors, but for sales. I know that during Pile of Craft, uh, our virtual spring show, I had sales from all over the country. And a lot of our other vendors noted that they had sales even from international buyers. So we can really open up the audience that we're able to get looking at our vendors and hopefully increase their sales that way too. So we can kind of take Baltimore to the rest of the world. No, and I, and that's, it's funny you say, I'm thinking the same way. When I first started my podcast, it was more of a local thing. It, start, not, it didn't start off local, but ended up being local. But I have a bigger audience. I have a nice size audience outside of Baltimore. So it's always that balance of like, you know, your home base is your Baltimore area, but you also have the audience outside that wants to know a little bit more about what's going on in Baltimore and whatnot. Now, what about like your, your team diversity? I mean, that's a real big thing now um, as far as being diverse, a thought and diverse of talent and things of that nature. Uh, I remember looking at your Instagram back and you had a lot of good, you had a lot of um, black vendors. You had people of color vendors. You guys were supporting in things of that nature. Uh, how's that with the, the, with the holiday heat? Do you guys have a good diverse group of uh, vendors there? I think that was our biggest goal this year when we were when we were jurying. Um, it is it is something that we that people will bring up to us, and over the years, it is always part of our conversation, and we're always trying to figure out new ways to make sure that we, not only as board members, um, give a diverse perspective in the arts community, but also that we're supporting you know the actual population of Baltimore. Um, makers in Baltimore. 
and sometimes it's challenging um I'll be honest it's it you would think in a city like Baltimore it would be very like I don't know that it would feel like second nature but we do always have to think about it and I think it's really um great that we have a group of people who are really dedicated to making sure that we are diverse we have not only have lots of new vendors this year but we are very diverse and we're we're all pretty super excited about it so I didn't know if you wanted to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) No, I always wonder that just because I just see that this, I think it's brought attention to a lot of different things out here. And I always like, you know, when I, when I go to any festival affair, I look around and I look first, look, does anybody look like me there? That's the first thing I look at and the representation, you know, I want to say, Hey, okay, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, representation matters at the end of the day. And I always think, like you said, Baltimore is predominantly African-American city. You know, yeah. it's so you you would think you want that reflection of a Charm City Craft Mafia and the you know the event and whatnot. So yeah. going forward, like as far as holiday heat, what are some exciting things that folks can be excited to see this year going virtual? Anything that's new that you guys are testing out this year? Anything behind the curtain? Can we peek behind the curtain and you guys get some sneak peeks at what's going on back there? <laughs> there is one thing, Val. Do you want to talk about our um our lookbook? Oh, yeah. So we are working with Tiffany Reedy and a couple of other photographers and designers to create a fabulous lookbook of items from all of our vendors. So we're reaching out to them to, we're helping them by hiring them to do the photography and design this book. And we're also getting a kind of really easy way for people to see what will be available at the show. So that's in progress right now, and that'll be available um, hopefully a little earlier than the show, so you can really look through it and see what you want to buy. Uh, it'll be kind of like the um, like this year's Christmas catalog or something. You get a <laughs> get a sneak peek of like, oh, I'm gonna have to get that before they sell out. I'll have to look for this. Um, so that's really exciting. We're also going to have a scavenger hunt again. So if you go to all of the vendors' different websites, you have to search for a picture. Um, on their website and then fill out a kind of scavenger hunt thing and be entered to win uh, gift certificates. So we're going to have some fun kind of audience participation, things like that. And then of course, just fabulous gifts for anybody that you could be shopping for. Nice, nice, nice. Tiffany Reedy, uh, shout out to her. She was on my show recently. And uh, oh, fun. Which, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tiffany and I went to Syracuse to college together. That nice. is, yeah. So it's, it's crazy that we reunited back in Baltimore. So I hadn't seen her since I graduated in 2003. So small yeah, so world. With, with that, we're just trying to kind of reach out to other people in Baltimore um, rather than just the people who are in the craft mafia. But we can, you know, we can hire somebody to do some awesome photography. We can hire an artist to make the poster for us. Um, so by promoting and making our show better, we can also help other small businesses in Baltimore by supporting them with our business. Yeah, please let me know. I'll post it on my website. I'll post it on all my social mediums so that everybody has them out there. So by the time this episode, they'll see it all over, blasted over my social media. So <laughs> that's exciting. That is very, Sarah's catalog, everybody remembers that. That's, that's <laughs> it was a highlight of Christmas and the holidays and whatnot. So how do people do, like, how do they register this year? How do we go about getting on there? And do we log on to you guys' the website or how does it work this year? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, it's very simple. There's no registering. Um, Just make sure that you follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. And it's Charm City Craft Mafia on both. 
of those releases and charmcitycraftmafia.com. And we will post um, leading up to the event for two weeks, highlighting all of our vendors and some of our sponsors and get people really excited for what's happening. And then for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because it's our first time being a three-day event, um, we will delve deeper into, you know, how to shop, what to do, what's fun, details about the scavenger hunt, details about um, different types of vendors, and uh, that's where it happens. There'll just be a very simple button on our website that says shop our vendors here, and you'll see a big long list of our 55-ish vendors, and um, you just click um, their photo and it'll take you right to their individual stores and you'll shop each of them individually. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering how you guys were able to track how much traffic would be coming through. I know you guys if for the spring, did you, how did you guys track people were coming in? Which are like, I know you say you hit the button and it goes, would that track whose name it is? Or how do you guys track people coming into the show and what? Um, we do try to keep track of our engagement on Instagram so we can see how many people are liking and viewing our stories. And then we can check out our website traffic uh, just to see how many people are visiting the site. Um, and we also, we always try to send out a survey afterwards to connect with both our shoppers and our vendors to see how our, our, the vendors did. And also to see what our shoppers really enjoyed and where they're coming from. So we'll be able to kind of get an idea of what worked really well. Um, we got some great feedback from the spring show. So we'll be taking that into account, but we're really um, just trying to get people as engaged as possible on our social media followings. Now, anything spectacular besides what we've already covered, Holly Heap, anything else that we need to know about you guys to the, you, to the audience that's listening today? Anything you guys want to shout out? Um. I don't know. It's just uh, we we've been so happy to have such great support from Baltimore that we are thrilled to be able to keep putting on these shows, even though we can't be in person. So it was just so wonderful to have that support for the spring show and know that Baltimore really does appreciate the show and the opportunity to sell. And we just couldn't do it without all the wonderful people in Baltimore and beyond. So we're so happy that we've got that support and um, we're looking forward to putting on a really great holiday show as well. Are you guys going to do like a cool video to say thank you to everybody afterwards? Like, I don't know, like kind of like a zoom everybody's, Hey, you know, are there, are you, are you guys having any promotional videos coming out like this? Like, Hey, holiday <laughs> Eve is coming up. I don't know. I'm being cheesy. I know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, one of those things that I'm just trying to figure out ways that, you know, to spread the word, to spread the, the joy. Yeah, we'll have um, live videos on Instagram, um, but that is a good idea to have like a nice big thank you thing. We've thought about having kind of a big Zoom call, but we haven't figured out the logistics yet. So that's something that we can think about for sure. If you like the Brady Bunch, everybody has their own corners and Zoom yeah. like school. Everybody, <laughs> I mean, you're used to like teaching, teaching now at home. Well, so you get it. It's just talking, but I really, I really enjoy talking with you guys about this. And I'm so excited that, you know, I'm a part of this, helping you guys out and just, Whatever I can do on my end to promote this and make this a successful holiday, heap, you know, please do not hesitate not to reach out to me. Um, what are some things, again, parting shots for people before we head off? Just they will be shopping, people. It was, this will be shopping December 4th. 
I will be online shopping. I'm gonna be doing my holiday shopping because I wanna help small businesses. It's all about small local businesses and making it work because guess what? They do just as good as the stuff out on Amazon. This is people who are working hard and as what they said in the beginning, they like work with their hands. So you know this hands great work. They take pride in their work and pride what they do. So any parting words you guys wanna say just to the listeners out there before, because again, they'll be hearing this on that Monday before and they, I wanna make sure they go onto your website and we ready to shop until they drop. They can sit in their pajamas. They can have a beer in their hand. They can sit back and do whatever you want to do at home. Actually, or air in your phone and be mobile. So anything out there for you guys to say? I mean, it might be the best year to ever shop Holiday Heat because instead of having to be in, a, in the crowded church, which can feel very festive, you get to seriously i mean you've got it right aaron you get to sit at home in your pjs and shop for three days instead <laughs> so we know that a lot of our shoppers are repeat customers for a lot of our vendors and have great relationships with them and really rely on each other to fill out those christmas lists that they create each year and we are just so grateful for that and truly know that um that it will happen still this year virtually. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's better than Amazon. You can't find this stuff on Amazon. It's all handmade. Everything is handmade and just wonderful quality. I mean, you just can't find it anywhere else. So it'll be truly like you could get gifts for every single person on your list and you know that they're all gonna be handmade by someone whose whole heart went into that piece. Nice, nice. Now. Before, I'm not gonna let you guys off the hook real quick because I wanna ask you some mystery questions, okay? I think it's for every people, everybody on my podcast. Uh-oh. You guys ready? All right. Yeah. Your favorite, your favorite music artist. Ooh, it's a tough one. I'm gonna have to go with- It could be two, it could be two. I'm gonna have to go with the kinks. (laughs) Mr. Whitney. (laughs) Oh, goodness, Aaron. <laughs> we'll come back. We'll come back. We'll come back. I mean, honestly, lately, Taylor Swift is doing it for me. Hey, right. <laughs> Swifty, Swift fans. I get it. I get I, it. I think, well, it's kind of funny because, you know, I there's a lot of other great music that I listen to, but I think she kind of just like won the ticket for COVID music. <laughs> and yeah. Favorite food during COVID? bread (laughs) okay yep a lot of bread um anything out of my garden it didn't have to go to the store to get it comes right out of the garden that's my favorite (laughs) (laughs) favorite crab cake in baltimore g&m's uh fadley's all right (laughs) drums or flats those are chicken wings drums or flats Uh, everybody this is always a trick question for a lot be like drums i don't and the wing, the flat is the flat, and the drums like the drumstick. If, if, I've if never heard it be called a flat before. Yeah, drums and flats. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't. I, my wife likes flats. I like drums. Well, sometimes I'm, I'm drums. I'd go drums too. I don't normally eat a lot of chicken wings, but those have got more on them. So, <laughs> what's the best advice you guys have ever received? Hmm. Probably don't compare yourself to other people because you're doing your own thing. And when you're looking at other people, you're only seeing their best 
kind of veneer. You don't know what's going on underneath. So you can't compare yourself to other people. Yeah, that's a great one, Val. It's so important, especially right now with everything being on social media. Um, I think from a business standpoint, um, to either give things away for free or sell them for full price. (laughs) I like that. I like that. I like that. that. All right. So that was it. So you guys can sweat. I know you're sweating a little bit about that. Plug your businesses, your personal businesses first. And so everybody can find where they can find it on Twitter. So I don't know, TikTok, I don't know, everything. There are so many things out there now, but let's do Instagram and Facebook. Where can we find your personal businesses? Um, Oh, go ahead, Val. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So my business is Bowerbox Press. I am at Bowerbox on Instagram and my website is Bowerbox.com. You can find me on Facebook under Bowerbox Press. And I am Almanac Industries on Instagram and Curated Circus on Instagram. I, I think I'm on Facebook, but I honestly, if anything, it just gets pushed there from Instagram. So that's where it is for me. And then um, www.com for both of them as well. <laughs> and you know what? We have to get you guys on Reels because that's the new Instagram Reels where you can go this and the number, the name, because that would be kind of cool for both of your businesses and charms me. So yeah. Uh, so, so think about, I mean, I'm try, I'm learning now first. I mean, I don't know how to do it, but I'm learning. Now we just about, about the hang of stories. I don't even know what reels <laughs> are yet. <laughs> oh, it's oh, oh, it's it's it's, it's like TikTok, but it's <laughs> it's, it's so much to keep up with. That's that's another thing they didn't teach us in school is that when you run a business, you have to run all this social media empire stuff as well. You know what? It's funny when I was in college, there was no social media, it was called AOL Instant Messenger. That was it. <laughs> That was it. And then you put it, you're gone for the day or you're back or whatever. Cool thing. Mm-hmm. The website for Charm City, give us a website, Instagram again, plug that one more time. Yeah, that's charmcitycraftmafia.com. And same thing on Instagram and Facebook. We're just Charm City Craft Mafia. You can find us on there. You can sign up for our newsletter on the website and you'll stay informed about all of the stuff for the upcoming show. All right, Miss Whitney, Miss Val, you guys are off the no picture for dark hot seat. I appreciate you guys coming on. I'm excited for shopping this week. It's gonna be so much fun. I'm about to I gotta hide my credit card now because it's gonna be me burning a hole in my pocket at the end of this week. But I'd rather do this and get all my holiday gifts this Friday coming up, December 4th through the 6th. Three days, folks. Three days of just fun. Why, why, why go anywhere else? Shop local, help local, help support your neighbors, your community. On that note. Peace, love, and happiness, and go shopping.